Blog Talk Radio.
constantly uh, uh, creeping uh, into every aspect of our lives, infecting every single thing we do with government oversight, government control. Uh, it's almost like there's nothing that you can do now that is not covered in some more form or fashion by the government's, uh, uh, by the long arm of the government reaching in to uh, to somehow uh, attempt to control what you're doing. And uh, and let me say, I'm not trying to say that uh, that everything that the government does is bad. Uh, there's probably one or two things they do that's, uh, that is not bad. But uh, the the ever increasing and oppressive uh, touch of the government is uh, uh, it's just going to take us down. Uh, uh, it's already taking us down a terrible road. All right, uh, I'd like to make sure that I mention too tonight that. Uh, if you uh if you'd like to get updates about uh the things that we're doing on the radio show or the things that uh that the Battle Road classes uh, are doing in the upcoming classes and stuff that we have. <clears throat> I'm trying to work out uh, several ways to make sure that we're communicating with the radio listeners and, and anybody else. But for right now, if you go to the uh the uh, battleroadusa.com website and uh, you can go to the uh, the contact uh, or go to the newsletter sign up and sign up there for the newsletter, and uh, and then we'll send out newsletters letting you know the uh, the things that we have going on uh, and if there's anything uh, any changes with the radio station. Uh, there's been a couple of times over the last <clears throat> over the last few months where. Uh, Either there's been a power outage from a storm or uh, or something or other has kept us from running the show live and uh and there's no way to let people know uh because I can't get on there and post anything then uh, then I can't let anybody know that there's not going to be a show or that or what happened to the show or or anything like that uh but we're trying to work out a way to uh to be able to send out an email to folks, not to, not to bug you or anything, but just to uh, let you know what's going on with the show. And uh, if you don't want, if you don't want the emails from the radio show from uh, Battle Road, then just don't sign up. But if you go to www.battleroadusa.com and uh, <clears throat> look at the uh, the top of the uh, of the homepage there. <clears throat> there should be a uh, a link that allows you to uh, uh, to sign up for the newsletter, and uh, that's probably going to be the the best way to uh, to find out what we have going on. I'm taking a look at it right now so that I can make sure that I'm selling you the right stuff. I mean, I I designed the website and I created it, but that doesn't mean that I know exactly how it's running. All right, it's got, uh, let's see. Yeah, there's a tab at the top that says contact. 
I give you the uh, uh, drop-down menu with the directions and the newsletter sign-up. Uh, so if you want to uh, get a hold of us, uh, there's also the uh, uh, email there uh, under the contact and that telephone number and stuff like that if you want to get a hold of us. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and remember that any time during the show, if you guys want to... Uh, that is want to call and add your voice to the discussion, you are uh, quite welcome to do so. Just dial 347-308-8790. That's 347-308-8790. And, uh, and Sam will be glad to, uh, to talk to you offline, find out what's going on if you want to get on the air, if you're just listening. And then uh, he'll let me know, and we'll get you on the air, all right? And uh, we've got, uh, I think I've got uh, 100 uh, open lines. So uh, <laughs> so you guys feel free to call in any time during the show. And you're welcome to send me an email, too, <clears throat> or call me. My phone number's on the contact page. You can email me or call me. If you have any subjects that, uh, that you would like covered, if you have any guests that you would like us to... Uh, to try and round up for you because we'll be glad to do that. Uh, I I don't do the radio show so that uh, I can please myself. Uh, It takes a big chunk out of my day and my year. Uh, I'm on the air for two hours. Uh, There's a minimum of uh, two to four hours of prep for it. And uh, I believe that comes out to, uh, I did the math a little while back, that comes out to two 40-hour work weeks every year uh, just to uh, just to do the two-hour show uh, once a week. The reason I do it is because I'm trying to provide a, a useful asset for folks that uh, are trying to find out information or that uh, would like to hear from certain guests. So make sure that uh, that you are plugging yourself into this and that you're becoming a part of the show, not just as a listener, but uh, as a uh, like a steering committee member by uh, letting me know the stuff that you want to hear. Uh, and, uh, and if you have any ways that you'd like to uh, suggest that would make the show better, for listeners, and by all means, I'm all ears. <clears throat> okay, we had uh, uh, Sparks 31, the uh, communications guru, on <clears throat> a couple of times during the last uh, couple of months. And then he was down last week for a, a three percenters grid down communications course that we ran here at Battle Road at our facilities here in uh, Central Texas. This last week, and uh, the class was really a uh, a fantastic class. It uh, uh, it was it was geared toward making sure that uh, that you understand what it takes as far as equipment and uh, and your abilities to initiate and maintain contact with the outside world in the event of some type of a grid-down situation. Now, although in the, although in the title it is, it is titled 3%er uh, and grid-down, 
communications course. The uh, the three percent part, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the the grid down, it doesn't have to be uh, an end of the world uh, scenario. I mean, all it has to be is there is no electricity or phone service at your particular location. That's what that's what grid down addresses. That they that you have no abilities, no other abilities to make communication that your telephone, uh, your radio, um, your TV, that, that none of that is working, and you're having to depend on something else to get your information and also to uh, to maintain contact with the outside world. And this can happen in, you know, in a, in a huge variety of, uh, of ways. There could be a tornado, a hurricane. There could just be uh, uh, too much uh, power usage that causes either brownouts or blackouts. It could be transformers down. It could be it could basically be anything that has stopped you from using the methods that you normally use to contact the, the outside world. That's if you have uh, uh, you have somebody injured. Or if you just want to report that there is uh, uh, that whatever has gone on has gone on, that there was a tornado, that there was uh, an earthquake, a brush fire, uh, any of this, and that's what the class was addressing. That's uh, what the the main uh, bulk of the class was addressing: is how to initiate, maintain contact. <clears throat> and we did that uh, starting off with uh, uh, with all manner of uh, of equipment. Uh, we use the uh, CBs, and that's one of the really one of the best ways that you can get into this. I think with the uh, with the least amount of uh, investment, least amount of uh, of cost to you, and that's getting you a, a, a like a, a Simpsons band radio, <laughs> and you can get the handheld kind. I think I bought six of them for like ten bucks. Uh, either at a garage sale or eBay, and I actually drug those out, and I was using those during the course this weekend. Uh, you can go, uh, you can get one for your vehicle, and uh, and put it in your vehicle. And the uh, the CBs have a pretty decent range, just depending on the antenna that you have and the power that you're putting to the device. Uh, and uh, we also uh, uh, discussed and used the FRS radios, and uh, and then went on to work with uh, shortwave uh, equipment. <clears throat> and this included uh, uh, all manners of uh, of different shortwave uh, uh, receivers and uh, broadcasters because. <clears throat> Uh, the majority of the time uh, with your equipment, you're going to be listening. You're not going to be talking. You're going to be listening. You're going to be trying to listen to find out what's going on in the world around you. And uh, we uh, we built antennas, and I'm not even going to try to go into any of the discussion on antenna building or anything like that. Uh, I will tell you that if you would like a good... Uh, manual that covers kind of what we what we ran for the course. You can go to uh, 
Sparks31.com, and you can order his book off Amazon. Or you can go straight to Amazon and uh, and uh, get the uh, Grid Down Communications course manual that uh, Sparks31 has written. It's it's really uh, a great manual. Uh, it's 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 filled with it's it's not very big, but it's filled with a ton of information, including the uh, uh, discussions on the equipment. The antennas, the mathematical formulas for it, and everything like that. Uh, so we set. Uh, normally, the class is a uh, uh, one day of classroom, and then uh, the following day you'll have a uh, an FTX a field training exercise, where you will actually go out and uh, and set up communications and stuff like that. But I talked to uh, to Tom to Spark Thirty One. Uh, before we uh, we started the class on Saturday, and uh, we actually had good weather on Saturday and a and a, uh, a good possibility of cold rain on Sunday, so we decided to switch around. We ran the uh, the FTX on Saturday since we had good weather, and that way we could have the indoor portion of the classroom uh, in case it rained. And uh, it was a little bit of uh, drizzle and stuff on Sunday, cold drizzle, but. Not much, but uh, like I said, we beat it by by switching the uh, the normal uh, class procedures around. We were able to set up our gear on Saturday and establish communications uh, with a wide variety of locations around the United States and beyond. Uh, there were people that was uh, that were talking to folks in Brazil, uh, in Berlin, in Cuba, in Paris, uh, and many other places uh, during the day on Saturday. And uh, and the. Uh, the antennas, almost all the antennas that were used, were antennas that we manufactured uh, on the site. And out of uh, that is not uh, you know not not specialty stuff. You're not going to have to go to some special place and get the wire and stuff. It's uh, we use pretty common stuff, including uh, stuff like the TA312 wire, uh, the you know the military landline wire. Different kinds of wire and uh, string and poles and stuff, and we set got everything set up, got the antennas running, uh, tuned them to the correct uh, frequencies, and made contact. Now, this was uh, this was a pretty important thing because, like I said, if uh, if uh, something happens. And uh, and you need to to know what's going on around you. This might be the only way you're going to get that information. And you don't want to be blind in these scenarios. You don't want to you don't want to sit there blind, waiting for whatever's coming around the corner to come around and smack into you. So I thought this was a uh, I thought this was a really great. Uh, Exercise, and then 
we did that uh, for about four hours or so, and then uh, <clears throat> and uh, Sparks was moving uh, uh, out among the group, out among the different location uh, 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 teams. So we set it up so that uh, there were several teams, were, you know, working together uh, and uh, and doing their individual uh, communications to make communication. Uh, and that way the folks could also uh, move around between the different teams and look at the gear they were using. Uh, and it was uh, all the way from, like I said, from the very, uh, the most basic homemade stuff to uh, really tricked out uh, computer-run gear mounted on vehicles that had uh, huge antennas or, you know, sometimes uh, specially homemade antennas on them. Uh, the Zonker's truck looked like it had a, uh, a large recoilless rifle mounted on it, which was really just uh, the antenna he had made. And uh, there were wires everywhere. And... <clears throat> Right, so that it worked out really good uh, for folks to see how how this could be done, what it took to make it, and then uh, finding out the different things like, uh, well, I think one of the groups was using uh, a power source, a battery that uh, was not as strong as it could have been, which meant they were able to uh, they were able to listen well by using the headphones rather than using the external speaker on the radio. But the speaker was drawing just enough uh, amperage that it was uh, interfering with their ability to communicate. So uh, learn, there's, there's no substitute for learning a bunch of this stuff uh, by hands-on, and that's what we're doing. Now, the rest of the day, Saturday, we spent going through the different types of gear uh, that you could use, the different types of uh, uh, equipment, the accessories, uh, that you could get for it, different types of antennas that could be made. Um, then we uh, uh, we went through uh, a good long discussion on landlines because this is something that people don't think about a lot. Let's say you're in a uh, fixed position, a fixed location. See, you already you've already uh, You've already set up something somewhere, or you have your your hunting list, your deer list, and that's where you're going to go if things get rough or something. And uh, and you want to be able to have a way to communicate uh, over distances, but you don't want to produce uh, uh, an electronic signature telling anybody where you are. Then using a landline is one of the best ways to do that. You can do that <coughs> relatively inexpensively by uh, by purchasing some of the old surplus gear that is uh, available, like on eBay and stuff like that, or going to go to some of these uh, things they call ham fest, where they have uh, and they're selling all kinds of gear. And you can purchase things like the old, uh, uh, like the old K312 uh, landline phones, and you can use those uh, to communicate. Uh, even up to great distance, but you won't be producing a signal which could be detected or could be detected and listened to. Uh, and uh, and there are certainly even other ways that you could do that too, 
because Tom was talking about how back in the old days they would, uh, uh, you know, like out in the Old West, they would talk to some of their neighbors, even uh, 5, 10, 15 miles away, by clipping the phones onto the barbed wire and using the barbed wire as a landline. They could talk to their neighbors that way. And you can still do that. Uh, there, there are some, uh, you know, there are some things that you can and can't do. But using landlines is certainly a way that you can uh, you can maintain contact at distance. Like, say, you want to have a, oh, you know, a road that's uh, like a, from the highway or the front gate to your house is a mile away. And uh, you want to have uh, somebody who's uh, up at the front gate or watching the front gate, the access point onto your property, and uh, and letting you know somebody's coming to there. But you don't want to say use like the uh, the CB or FRS or anything like that, which is going to produce a signal that can be captured by anybody else. And uh, the way you, the way that you get around that is by creating a landline. You can certainly just get, uh, uh, you can buy those uh, big reels of uh, telephone wire that the telephone company uses. You can use those. Uh, and uh, we spent about a good hour, an hour and a half of going through the, the ways to set those up, ways to test the lines, uh, improvisational things to use for it. And uh, that was a I thought that was a very uh, a very good part of it because a lot of people don't think about that. That's something that's uh, really good to add to your abilities. Uh, if you want a way to talk to your neighbors, even in a grid down situation, there's no reason that you can't run a uh, you know a telephone line over to them, and then you can use your either sound powered or battery powered landline uh, to talk to them. Uh, we also covered uh, other things you can do with uh, with some of the, like the telephone test equipment and stuff like that. But uh, you'll have to come to the class to get all this information. I'm not going to give you that out over the over the, uh, the airways here. We then uh, we then talked about uh, additional equipment, uh, additional uh, uh, little accessories that would make your life easier. And uh, and then, uh, during the... Uh, make sure I'm looking at my notes here. During the... Uh, near the end of the day, uh, we set up a... A device uh, let me see here make sure that i'm that I'm giving the uh the right name of this if I'm looking at my notes my notes aren't uh, my notes are are good, but in some places they're yes l d r Uh, one second here, one more second. Uh, anyway, this is, uh, and we, we, 
we talked about this uh, over the last two uh, the last two times that we had uh, uh, sports on. Uh, Sam, do you remember the uh, the USB thing, the RTFL DR RTFL DR? It's RTFSDR. RTFSDR. Right. And that's a software-defined radio. It's a little gadget you plug into your USB port, and it turns your laptop into a pretty wide-band FM receiver. Right. I'm holding one in my hand right, right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, listen, I yep. think what, what we did, what we ended up doing with this uh, we spent about about an hour. Now, some of the group had split up, and there's several several people worked on different things. But uh, I was working with Tom and uh, and Zonk on on this device, and uh, I was really surprised because what it was doing with the you know, with the software it had to be set up with the software and everything. But uh, on his laptop was it was reaching out and it was grabbing uh, the the identification of the squawks from all of the air traffic in the area. Now, in some cases, uh, at the same time while you were while you were reading this, you it would also produce a map and it would pinpoint their location. In some cases, uh, you could look up in the sky and you could see where it was. Uh, in other cases, it wouldn't have a plot, uh, a position plotted on the map, but it would tell you. Uh, about where they were, and uh, we actually, strangely enough, uh, we actually had. Uh, uh, hold on, I'm gonna, to, I'm gonna pull this up real quick to the information on this because I just saw that uh, Sparks had posted it on his Facebook post. And if, and if you go to, to the uh, Sparks 31 uh, Adventure Club, oh yeah, and, you uh, caught that guardrail, didn't you? Yep, that's it. That's what I was going to talk about because uh, I thought that was a pretty strange coincidence. But uh, now we got uh, we got the uh, guardrail, and uh, where is it here? I'm, I'm, you know me. When I try to do two things at once, it. Uh, I just put a link for that in chat. Did you? Okay. All right. Well. Uh, uh, okay. While we were uh, while we were going course during the day, uh, it just coincidentally, above us uh, in the area was uh, uh, a specifically designed uh, aircraft run by Homeland Security. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was flying up above us. Now, I, I, it didn't have anything to do with us, I'm sure, but uh, I just thought that was uh, that was pretty wild that uh, that we were able to detect and uh, and find out that there was a. And if you go to the uh, to the link that uh, Sam put there in the chat, uh, it'll take you over to the. Uh, uh, to sparks31.wordpress.com, and uh, that's his blog there. And you can take a look at that aircraft. It's a specially built aircraft for uh, uh, for snagging uh, communications 
and uh, it was flying up above above us during the day, and uh, and because of the uh, and then uh, additionally, what we were learning during this, not only were we able to tell uh, who was up in the air above us, uh, who was flying around, uh, we learned. Uh, a little bit on Saturday and more on Sunday <coughs> about how to uh, how to take a signal that we had heard uh, on the frequency it was being broadcast on, and then using uh, publicly available information to trace the signal back to its source to find out who it was, uh, who they were, and identify them. <coughs> and like I said, the uh, he was able to use the the information to trace this uh, particular aircraft back, uh, and he was dem- demonstrating the RTL SDR device that the Samar is talking about, and uh, and with an antenna. And I'll tell you that uh, he said here he had the ADSB running with the ADSB scope on it, and after a few minutes. Uh, he picked up the aircraft, got the uh, registration number of it, checked through OSINT, and uh, found out the aircraft was an RC-12. And uh, it belonged to the 339th Military Intelligence Company, uh, which is an Army Reserve unit that, that was flying out of uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, uh, also, let me tell you this too: that uh, that further inquiries uh, using uh, OSINT uh, actually netted a, a document saying there was a new use for the aerial reconnaissance multi-sensor aircraft. How to appropriately use the arms aircraft for homeland security without infringement on the Posse Comitatus Act. So, uh, so things are uh, things are moving uh, in strange circles everywhere you look, and uh, you can read more about this at over at sparks31.wordpress.com. Okay, and uh, and I advise you to do that. I advise you to uh, to link up with uh, the Sparks Thirty One Adventure Club on Facebook. Uh, read his blog over at sparks31.wordpress.com and I would certainly advise you to come to one of the classes that we're running on this. His book is called Shoot, Move, Communicate, uh, 3% Grid Down Communications. The handbook is, uh, I'll have to find it here in just a second, but uh, the handbook uh, that he has available uh I don't know if you if you if you grab that Sam in your in your travels uh, if you grab that if you'll post a a link to it too uh, that's the handbook that I was talking about earlier that uh, Sparks uh, Thirty One put out and you can find it at Amazon and uh, there's a hardback it's uh, I don't know twelve fifteen bucks and then there's also the uh, downloadable PDF that you can get off Amazon too that's about five bucks and it's well worth it. Uh, anyway, that's what uh, we ended up doing on 
Saturday. And uh, Saturday, uh, it was a full day. It ran until uh, ran until dark, and then people, like I said, they kind of split up and and uh, were doing their own thing, looking at each other's uh, communications equipment. I was just thinking to say they were checking out each other's equipment, but uh, they were looking. They were they were looking at each other's communications equipment and discussing it. And then, uh, and then we had one of our good buddies there. Uh, uh, Nick had uh, uh, set up a, a new stove that he had just got. I thought this was neat too. This wasn't part of uh, the radio course, but he got a neat little stove. I'll post some pictures of it uh, uh, on the website and on Facebook. Because it's a it's a really neat little tiny rocket stove, uh, you know, made out of uh, uh, tubular steel and angle iron stuff. <clears throat> very very small, very lightweight, and yet uh, you know if you've worked with rocket stoves before, you know they put out a they put out a ton of heat with very little uh, uh, fuel that's needed. The fire is a very uh, it's a very uh, hot burning fire. It burns up a, a majority of the smoke, uh, so it doesn't leave a big signature. <clears throat> anyway, he was uh, he was cooking there, and he cooked up a bunch of uh, barbecue and sausage and, uh, and fajitas and tortillas and stuff, and was feeding everybody. And of course, everybody talked uh, late into the night about the uh, about the course they were working on. Then. Uh, Saturday morning, we got started uh, fairly early again. We got uh, uh, set up in the classroom, and uh, Tom ran a, uh, a ran a really good uh, 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 what do you call them? PowerPoint. That's it. I'm not a big fan of PowerPoint uh, presentations, but uh, but this one uh, this one went off really great, and and we spent the uh, the day talking about the basics of uh of radio communications. You know, what uh starting off with uh with some of the laws and stuff because there there are quite a few laws that actually cover the use of radio communications equipment. And you need to be familiar with these to some degree and uh, what I would suggest what Tom suggests too is that uh, if you're going to start going down this road route, then uh, then head on over to the uh, uh, to the uh, uh, communications uh, licensing department and uh, get your ham radio license. All right, because that is going to do a couple of things. One, it'll certainly get you up to speed on on the lingo, the basics and stuff of it, and also keep you kind of current on uh, the laws, on the legality of it, because uh, you can, you could theoretically get yourself into trouble by uh, by getting your voice out over the airwaves in certain ways. So, uh, and the... Uh, the ham radio test is really uh, it's not difficult at all. They're gonna they'll let you uh, do a lot of uh, like practice tests and stuff for it, and then uh, you can get your license. It's inexpensive um, cost, but uh, you can get your license and get started that way. But there there are some legal things, and then there are also 
uh, we talked about certain laws that uh, uh, that were made specifically to protect folks using the equipment. You know, so uh, I don't remember the uh, the exact numbers of it, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll look at the numbers in my notes just a second here. And the law covers uh, the fact that uh, you don't have to have any kind of a license, uh, and you can break most, almost, almost all the rules if you are doing it to try uh, and solve some type of emergency situation. If uh, there's been an accident or something like that, and you have access to uh, AM radio, shortwave radio, or some other type of communication that is normally regulated by the FCC, uh, and one that if you got on there and started talking and they found out who you were, then they would probably come and uh, and do some type of governmental thing to you, give you a governmental spanking. But you're covered by several laws that are kind of like the, uh, the equivalent of the, uh, the FCC or radio Good Samaritan type uh, laws, which is if you're trying to uh, actively solve some type of uh, emergency situation, if you're trying to get help for yourself or someone else in an emergency, then it allows you to uh, to use the the, uh, the airways, uh, whether they're regulated or not. You know, normally if you get on some radio frequencies and if they belong to uh, the emergency, uh, the local emergency systems, uh, fire, rescue, police, anything like that. You start getting on there and you start yakking, you're going to get in trouble because those are reserved specifically for those agencies. Uh, the same way that if you get on a uh, shortwave and you start talking and uh, you don't have a license, I'm sure they're thinking, if, they, if somebody hears about it or somehow you draw attention to yourself, I don't think it's really, uh, there's, it's not uh, really like any type of Nazi type regulated thing, but if, but if they did, they could give you grief about it. But uh, like I said, these laws protect you. And uh, so we learned a, a lot about the uh, some of the legal stuff about it. And uh, let's see. 97.403, safety of life and human property. 97.405, stations in distress. And that's and that roughly that's the laws that, that cover how uh, the uh, the local and federal agencies are going to respond to the use of unlicensed operations on uh, on federal frequencies. Okay. Now we also learned about the way you should think about the about your communications uh, plan, your communications program. Like I said, if you don't have one. Then you're just you're at the mercy of uh, of whatever uh, you know. If you don't have any way to know other than seeing the flames or seeing the smoke that there's a fire headed toward you, you know. And a lot of folks that live out west, and of course, Sam, you know this that uh, that there's a lot of cases where by the time you see the smoke or fire, it's too late. You're, you're stuck wherever you are. You, you might you might it's get gone, burned yeah. up, burned to death. Yeah, yeah, because there, there's not 25 different roads going out from where you are to get away from it. There's there may be only one road, and that road, by the time you see the fire, or the smoke, it may be impassable. You may be stuck. So you need some way to uh, to talk to folks and find out, uh, you know, find out what's going on. 
Now, some of the considerations that you're going to need to think about is uh, in a grid-down situation or, or in a uh, in one of these scenarios that, that there's going to be a limited amount of electricity. And like I said, you may be in a, an area where the where the grid is completely down, where there is no electricity available. Or you may be in a situation where there's a brownout and there's only a little or you may be relying on a generator or batteries or something like that. So you're going to you need to think about the fact that even though even though this is a radio that's not hooked up to to anything else uh, it's still going to require electricity in some form to run, all right? That means you're going to need to think about uh about using the 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 lowest possible uh Amount that you can use, you know, yeah, making sure that you have uh, equipment you have that you have some way to power it, other than plugging it into the wall, and that you've uh, you've figured out how to use the lowest amount of electricity that will get you into communications with whoever you're trying to to get to. Uh, you know, if you're doing it in a hobby and you want to talk to uh, the other side of the world, and uh, and and everything is fine. Then you can plug into the wall, and you can, uh, you know, you can use uh, however much of juice is coming out of there to power you. But if you're in an emergency situation, you're going to need something that is going to use the least amount of electricity uh, possible, and still make the jump to get from wherever you are to wherever you're trying to reach. And these are things that need to be figured out. In advance, uh, uh, one of the other aspects is maintenance. All right, how are you? Uh, is being able to take care of your equipment, uh, being able to maintain it uh, during use, uh, and and of course, a lot of the equipment nowadays is uh, there's no longer the uh, the old uh, tube devices uh, where you can pop things in and out. A lot of the the solid state circuitry and the chips and stuff like that are they are not maintainable by you. Uh but do you have uh, uh can you get uh spare parts for it and stuff like that? Uh and one of the best ideas is making sure that you uh that you have redundancy uh, first off in your communications uh program and that is the uh you know the simple rule of uh Two is one, one is none, uh, and that just means that uh, if you have if you have two or three of these devices that you can communicate with, the chance that you will get one to work is probably you know at least fifty fifty. If you have one device and anything goes wrong with it, then you're done, you're out of the game. That's the uh, the two is one, one is none uh, theory, uh, and the other. Thing that you want to think about whenever you're 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 talking about this is uh, interoperability. That means that uh, for the equipment you have, who can you talk to with what you have? If you have a CB, then uh, you're going to need to talk to somebody else that has a CB. If you have FRS, and you'll need to talk to somebody else that has FRS. Uh, but then there are also some of the other devices, like uh, one of the devices that I just got. 
this uh, last week, which is uh, one of the uh, the handheld uh, Baofeng radios. And now, uh, you know, they you can get these pretty inexpensively now, uh, about thirty bucks a piece for these, and they have a pretty decent distance and. Uh, they can uh, talk on the CB. They can talk on uh, FRS. They can talk on a, a lot of the different, uh, in a lot of different ways to different folks. <clears throat> so you want to make sure that that whatever you have, whatever you're using, that you have considered the idea of interoperability, and that means making sure that that while you have a device which can transmit, that, that you're able to transmit that information to somebody who can receive it. Because uh, if you're transmitting on a device that nobody around you can can hear, then then you're just talking to yourself, okay? So what you want to do yeah. whenever you're, when you're starting to think about this? Yeah, go ahead, Sam. Uh you know, when you're talking about interoperability, it might be a good time to put in uh, a little word about Amron. I'm pretty sure Sparks probably talked about that. Yeah, I got a whole got a whole section coming up on Amron and DSTAR and stuff like that. But, but go oh, ahead, and give them a plug right you. now. And, no, okay. no, go ahead and give them a plug now. And I, I know that you already put it in the chat. Go ahead and go ahead and jump in. All right. Uh, as far as interoperability goes, you have to have somebody to send information to and people you can get information from. There's an organization called AMRON, the American Radio Operators Network. It's part of the uh, American Preparedness Radio Network. And they have what they call the Channel 3 Project. And if you'll go to their website, amron.com, that's Alpha Michael Romeo Romeo Oscar Nevada.com, uh, you can learn about that. You'll pick up a lot about uh, some exercises they have where they practice their interoperability. They occasionally have uh, field training exercises and try to get that communications network going across the country. There's something to look into, and there's a lot of good information there, too. We'll let you get back to your scout. <laughs> Absolutely. No, jump in at jump in any time. Uh, Yes, the uh, Amron. Well, like I said, we're going to talk about them too more in a little bit, and uh, we'll also sure. talk about the uh, the reference charts and stuff like that, the online abilities, because uh, because even though we're talking about a grid down situation, uh, until the grid down situation occurs, there's no reason for you not to use uh, everything else that's available to you, and. Uh, and until there's some type of grid down situation, you can still use uh, your uh, uh, your internet and everything else. So, all right. The uh, uh, when you are thinking about setting up your program, uh, there are several things that that you want to think about and. Uh, in uh, in phase one, you know, people always think about buying the tech, you know, getting the equipment, and that's good. 
but uh, make sure that that uh, you know in phase one, two, and three of this that that you're always thinking about working on your communications and electronic skill sets. That means making sure that you're getting your license, making sure that you're uh, that you're seeking out information on how to use equipment that you have available and equipment that you could get and stuff like that, uh, and that you're also teaching yourself and learning about your electronic skill set, uh, how, to, how to start learning how to make repairs, uh, how to troubleshoot uh, equipment, uh, stuff like that. Then go ahead and set up your communications uh monitoring posts, and, you know, you can do this. Uh, you can do the, the monitoring thing, like I said earlier. You can do that uh, well before you do, before you start talking. And you certainly need to remember that, uh, like I said earlier, that the majority of what you're going to be doing uh, over the airwaves is always going to be listening. You're going to be listening always, much more than you're you're going to be transmitting. Uh, so uh, go ahead and set up your uh, your communications uh, and and begin monitoring the traffic, seeing what you hear, who you hear. Uh, start identifying who they are, what they do, stuff like that, so that you know what uh, regular traffic sounds like in your location. You know who normally talks to each other, uh, when they talk to each other, what they want to talk about, uh, and who they are. Now, you can do that by going to <clears throat> www.radioreference.com, okay? www.radioreference.com. Uh, <clears throat> this is the... Uh, it's really the it's the world's largest provider, and they feature uh, an absolutely uh, it's a huge, complete frequency data database, trunk radio system information, all the FCC license data, everything, and uh, you can use them uh, to help you determine who is who is who, who's sending out the the information on the over the airways. <clears throat> now, at the same time, uh, one of the things that uh, Tom talked about and that you need to realize is that you can never trust anyone else's infrastructure, okay? You can never trust anybody else's infrastructure. What that means is if there's a, if you are depending on somebody else's uh, uh, two-meter uh, ham uh, uh network that uh, for them to uh, 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 what do you call it repeat for them to repeat your signal then and and something happens and they go down that means now your signal doesn't go anywhere okay and this has happened over and over again they, this is this has been seen uh, quite a few times where 
people have been depending on a repeater stations and nets and stuff. And if those nets go down, then you are down too. So figure out a way that you can get your signal out without depending on somebody else's uh, repeating station. And you can do this uh, with uh, NVIS, which is the near vertical uh, incident sky wave. Uh, and then you can establish your own intro, uh, your own group of communications. All right. And now speaking about that specific thing, then that's something you certainly want to do too. And that is establish your group of communication. And you can, you can do this, uh, by, uh, if there are people in your area that you're already associated with, that you already work with, uh, uh, or in on, in other ways that you can start working with them on communications, that you could use them perhaps as your uh, as your own repeaters uh, instead of to, trying to depend on somebody else's infrastructure, and uh, and start working out ways uh, to uh, get it. Start working out ways to uh, <clears throat> you go. to get you guys working on a program together and getting your group set up. That you guys start, uh, you know, figuring out uh, what it takes to get into contact with each other. How you would do it. Uh, how you're going to set up your communications. How you're going to contact each other. Uh, what days you're going to listen to for each other or what, or, you know, stuff like that and start, start working together. That's one of the things that Tom's real big on in this is standardizing equipment. And that is, you know, if, if one of you guys is using a certain type ham, then look at the possibility of all you guys using the same thing. Because once again, when you start talking about interoperability, you really need, uh, once you standardize your equipment, you've got a long way toward making a lot of things more simple. Uh, you don't have to. You have to learn one uh, one system. Uh, if there's repairs to be made, you you can uh, you could hopefully share in this by uh, if somebody needs a part, uh, you don't have to try and find parts for ten different systems. Each person, you know, each person in the group can standardize their equipment, and then hopefully, if something goes down or something goes wrong, uh, you're able to make repairs uh, through your existing, you know, parts base, <clears throat> uh, and then establishing your intra-group communications. Uh, you know, uh, that you're going to contact each other on a certain day. That you're going to. Uh, establish the communications and that you're going to make reports to each other in a certain fashion. And then you establish your communications networks uh, with neighboring groups. Right? So you've got your group. You've figured out your communications. Okay, we're all going to be using this uh, certain type radio and we're going to be contacting each other uh, you know, at, uh, at 7 p.m. every other day. Whatever, whatever you work out. And once you've got your group communications working and you've got a, a really good smooth flow going with you and your group uh, uh, within your uh, within your system, then then you begin working on 
communications with uh, with your neighboring groups. You know, stuff that uh, uh, with folks that uh, uh, that you that you need uh, to help you. Uh, are the people that can help you in uh, uh, in nearby cities, towns, stuff like that. Uh, figuring out ways to to communicate with them and setting up uh, some type of <clears throat> system uh, where you uh, where you practice working with them <clears throat> and that you find out that you determine you determine how you're going to uh, uh, how you're going to get past the uh, the any problems you may have with interoperability with your neighboring groups. Remember, we talked about that a little bit earlier, and that's making sure that even if your group uh, has Uh, make sure that uh, you're working on figuring out ways. Hold on, just one second. Make sure that you've gotten uh, you figured out how you're going to talk uh, to these other groups, and uh, that may mean uh, purchasing additional equipment. Uh, that you're not using to speak within your intro group, uh, that you're not using for intra communication within your group, but uh, communicate, but equipment that you may purchase specifically to ensure that you have interoperability with uh, neighboring groups, that you can talk to somebody else besides just your group. And uh, and like I said, there's, there's there are a lot of ways to do this. And you can figure it out. You can you can figure out ways to make sure that you can that you can communicate within your group, and that you work that out. And then figure out ways that to ensure that you can establish interoperability with all the neighboring groups using using whatever equipment they have and that you have. <clears throat> then after that, once you've gotten once you've climbed that mountain, then figure out how to establish communications uh, on a nationwide basis, okay, with national networks. And this is where, uh, uh, like Sam brought up, this is where uh, Amron comes in, and they can help you with this, and they're more than willing to. Uh, and there are, uh, there, are uh, there are a lot of folks over at Amron, and it is a... It is a rock solid, hardcore group, and uh, I would advise you uh, to at least start off by going over to the Amron website and uh, begin reading, uh, begin reading the posts and stuff that they're talking about there, and uh, and see what they're talking about, what they're thinking about, and then and then begin figuring out a way uh, for you to plug yourself in to that group. And, they, and like I said, uh, they have ways for you to uh, contact them 
set up and linked up uh, so that you can talk in a, on a nationwide basis. But you've got to do your part of it, okay? You can't just go over there uh, uh, completely ignorant and use that as where you start. Make sure that you've gotten you've got all your ducks in a row ahead of time. You, like I said, you've got your license, uh, you've got yourself educated, you've established your um, your ability to communicate uh, within your group, you've established your ability to communicate uh, inter with uh, with neighboring groups. You've worked on interoperability. That you've educated yourself on uh, radio communications, and then. You can plug yourself into the into Amron and get them to help you set up so that you can talk uh, nationwide. And it just sounds like a lot of stuff. Uh, it is and it isn't. I mean, it's uh, a, you know it's really no different than than any other aspect of the tripod, the shoot, move, communicate tripod. Uh, you know, you you can't just go grab a rifle or a handgun and uh, and take it home, open the box, and say, okay, I'm good to go now on the shooting portion of the shoot, move, communicate. Because you don't. You're not. You, you have a, a firearm, but until you have become skilled in its use, you've educated yourself on it, and you've begun working with it, then then it's really no good to you, no, not much better than a rock or anything else. So make sure that you're doing your homework and that you are getting yourself uh, set up and, and educated, which is the most important part of the Communicate uh, tripod, Lego tripod, is education. You know, if you're not practicing this stuff, something, Sam. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, if you're not practicing this stuff, you, you're just not going to get it. It's not hard. An electric moron like me can do it, uh, but you got to go out there and practice. And just like shooting or anything else, it's perishable skill. Uh, you can go to the uh, American Radio Relay League, which is a big bunch of folks that play with this stuff. Every question on those tests is there, and you can look at those tests and, and uh, study the questions and learn the stuff, and even after you get your license, you need to go ahead and, and play with it. Get your gear, get out there, walk out in the backyard and talk with people. See who's there, and learn the other folks that are on the nets around and, and what they're doing. Uh you know, they talk about making a radio map, a list of what's going on around you on the radio, what you can expect to hear. And, and you get that by listening to the radio and talking to the other people out there, uh, see what's going on in their part of the world. And uh, you can tell them what's going on in yours. You learn the jargon. You learn the techniques. You learn how to throw up an antenna. You learn how to tweak it so it works just the way it needs to to get what you want done. Uh, it's not rocket science, but you got to do it. Now sit down, take your time. Uh, can, uh, yeah. You could, you can, you could perhaps uh, read the the specs and become technically proficient uh, on cutting the length of wire you need, getting it insulated, uh, getting the uh, the string or other ca uh, cables attached to it, so that you have the correct piece of equipment that you can string up. 
But until you string it up uh, a few times or until you figure out how to tweak it, how to get it up in the air, stuff like that, it's going to be a problem. Don't wait until uh, until the fire or the earthquake or whatever else is coming for you to figure out how to do this. It's no different than, uh, and like I said, whenever you uh, whenever you have a firearm, you don't wait until uh, until you need to use the firearm to practice and say, okay, uh, there's a bunch of folks uh, there. They're coming down the coming around the bend right now. I'm gonna do some mag changes so I can figure out how to do this. You don't don't do it then, man. It's worthless then. You do the mag changes when you're sitting around watching TV or something like that. Same thing with communications. You make sure that you you figured it out in the easy times. You figured out how to uh, cut the antenna, and you've already made your you know whatever antennas you need. You need. You've already made them. You've already tried them out. You've already tweaked them for your specific location. Uh, so that you can get communications and stuff like that, and then you've, uh, you know, wrapped it up in a very, uh, uh, very contingent way and stored it away, and that you drag it out every now and then, uh, sling it up, and get somebody on the other line to hear you. So <clears throat> make sure that you are that you're working uh, on the education part uh, as much as possible, and you know it's not. Uh, uh, it's not uh, a completely uh, 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 just tasteful thing to do. It's kind of fun to get the gear, get it all set up, and make communications with somebody in somewhere else and talk to them. Just make a you know a, a communications check or to listen to uh, something that's going on and making sure that you're able to do that, making sure that you're able to uh, establish communications because, like Sam was saying, until you until you do it, uh, until you become comfortable with it, uh, it's uh, uh, it, it, it's not a for sure thing. Fifteen so minutes sure before that, the uh, zombie running gun is not the first time to put on your gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I tell you, you know, we didn't have this last time, but time before we had. Uh, we're getting ready to start the, some of the runners off, and this guy says, uh, I need to, uh, where do I side in my rifle? And I said, well, usually you do that at whatever range that's close to you, you know, in the weeks leading up to the event. And uh, he was really kind of nonplussed with my answer. He said, well, I'm, I'm a I'm a professional shooter, and I, I need to get this sided in. And I said, well, uh, okay, let him side it in. But uh, even then, uh, the... The person wasn't uh he wasn't like sighting it in on a uh you know, on a one inch square or even a four inch square. He said I I started to post a target and he said, I don't need that, I got this and I looked and he had uh, uh like a plastic uh water bottle and uh <laughs> and he said, I'm gonna use this to sight my rifle and I go, Now I said, You know that that water bottle there is about uh, 50 minutes wide. I said we've got some we got some targets up at uh, 300 meters. Uh, you know, just 50 minutes at 300 <laughs> meters is not is not a real good matchup. But uh, right, you don't don't wait. You know how you get confidence after you've been out there shooting a while, 
like after you shot that rifleman score, you get that feel that you could pick up that rifle. I know I can make that shot. And you just whip it up and go, and it works. Right. It works because you have confidence in your equipment. You've used it before. You know how it's going to perform. And the way you got that way was to get out on the range, get a little training, learn how the stuff goes, learn the basics, the little bit of science that goes with it. When I started reading Spark stuff a while back, uh, I got a hold of a local radio club. One of the guys I worked with, he's one of them hams. And I got a hold of him, and I started asking him some questions because he was a little easier to get a hold of than Sparks was. And they're having an event out here in the in the city park. They do it four or five times a year. They get out there and fire up all their gear, running off portable generators and car batteries and solar panels, and just contacting as many people as they can. And they had a guy right. out there with a homemade radio. This thing was the size of a pack of cigarettes, and he used a 9-volt battery to power it. And I'll admit, he had to do some some training because he knew Morse. And this little radio that put out like two watts of power. And he's talking with a guy in China. Yeah. He's communicating yeah, he with a guy in it. China with as much power as you get out of a 9-volt transistor battery. He says it'll run for a week on that thing. And... If you go out and get a hold of some of those local guys in the local ham club, you can learn a lot of neat stuff. Uh, a lot of these guys are way ahead of many of us in their preps, and you can learn a lot from them. I highly recommend you do it. Right, and there's a lot of, like I, like I was saying earlier, these the, the folks, uh, and it doesn't have to be just, just Amron. Listen, you can go, you get on uh, Google and you start Googling uh, amateur radio, and you will get a ton of uh, of information back. And most of the folks that I've met on, through amateur radio and stuff have been more than willing to to help you and work with you as long as you're as long as you're asking in a polite way and stuff like that. They are more than willing to help you. Uh, I mean, that's it's just a very uh, uh, no different than a shooting community. You know, most of the folks in the shooting community, if you if you go up to somebody on the range that's shooting and say, listen, uh, you know, could you give me a few pointers on this or this, almost almost all of the folks you'll meet at a range uh, are more than willing to stop what they're doing, to give you a hand, to uh, to let you shoot their stuff. And, you know, it's just it's the same way with the, the radio folks, and they're more than willing to help you. You can get uh, lots of there are lots of folks there who are willing to uh, even uh, mentor you in this path. So find somebody, and the way you do that, of course, is go like I said, Google your uh, Google your uh, uh, the amateur radio for you locally, and somebody's going to be holding some type of events. They're going to be holding some type of a ham fest or some type of a local thing like you were talking about uh, running in the park and stuff like that. And they will help you get yourself set up, and they'll point you in the right ways, places to go. A lot of towns have amateur radio stores, uh, and uh, you can go in there, and they will help you. They'll help you get set up. Uh, you can go to the Ham Fest, and 
And let's see, I think that uh, Amron was the best place to look for the, uh, uh, for where anywhere they're having hand fest and stuff like that. I think Amron was the best uh, uh, place to uh, to find out about the uh, hand fest and stuff. You can get uh, another place that another place that folks might look is something called the Amateur Radio Relay League, the A R R L, and uh, they've got a lot of that stuff. They can uh, they have lists of their affiliated clubs in America. There's only two thousand two hundred and twenty one of them in America. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, they have a news like Peter Star and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can go in there. Tons of hub, uh, uh, Ham Nation. Uh, you know all of the uh, uh, there's stuff everywhere. Uh, if you yep. want it on the radio, you can get uh, you can go over and listen to uh, Ham Radio now, uh, and uh, and get stuff. You can go to ICQ Podcast. Uh, the uh, Linux Ham Shack podcast, uh, Houston Amateur Radio podcast, QRZ.com. Uh, uh, it's like I said, it's a uh, uh, it's a ton of people out there. There's a ton of gear, and you don't have to spend an arm and a leg and get set up for uh, uh, you know for just a few bucks, and uh, you know at least get you started. And uh, and it's something that is extremely important. Now let's talk about uh, let's talk about about what you're going to do. Now let me also say, as far as as far as uh, uh, some of the uh, some of the reference material you can use, there's a guy named Forrest Minns, M-I-N-N-S, Forrest Minns. Who uh, it seems has uh, written uh, several encyclopedias worth of information, and uh, there's a ton of books out there that you can uh, that you can grab for next to nothing at the, either at Hamfest or at Amazon stuff like that. Uh, things like uh, the AARL Antenna Handbook, the uh, AARL uh, Handbook. You have the uh, Radio Society of Great Britain has published a uh, a book and paper called Stealth Antennas, um, and these are ways that you can you can put up antennas. Even if you're like uh, in the city or anywhere, you could put up. They're going to show you how to make antennas that are not going to draw any attention to yourself or your home or anything else. Because you know, you, a lot of times you go out and you you're driving around and you see these guys with the uh, 50, 60 foot antennas, uh, and it's like an antenna farm there at their house. And they're, obviously, they're not worried about the fact that you know that they're doing it because they're, you know, they these guys are uh, amateur radio enthusiasts. <laughs> but if you needed uh, to maintain a certain amount of stealth in your transmissions, then, uh, like I said, if you Google Radio Society of Great Britain for stealth antennas, they've got a uh, a really decent book on how to create uh, working antennas that draw little or no attention. Right. Okay. Now, going back to what are you going to do with this information? Well, uh, once you once you have information, and I don't care what it is, if it's uh, if it is uh, that there's a fire or earthquake or or whatever it is, 
for it to be of any use to anybody else, it's got to get to them. And it's got to get to, the, to them in some type of format that is understandable. And, uh, and of course, one of the way, one of the things that I would, uh, that I would reference in this is I'm sure that if you've been around long enough, uh, that I'm sure that you've probably gotten, uh, uh, either you've either seen the, the posts on different forums or on Facebook or somebody sent you an email with it. I know I get tons of you know, emails. I get, uh, literally, literally hundreds of emails every day with uh, uh, with all different kinds of information, including uh, the the pictures uh, of a of a train that is uh, filled with uh, you know three, four, five dozen uh, Humvees that look like they're like they're messed up or something, and they're going somewhere. And uh, normally, because they've come back from wherever they were, either from overseas or or uh, from whatever units that's using them, they've been loaded up and they're being sent to back to the facilities uh, that are going to uh, rebuild and, and maintain them. Uh, and then they're going to be, uh, uh you know, rebelts and repainted and everything else, and they're going to be put back on the trains and sent back to those units in a nice, uh, new, shiny fashion. And I get photographs all the time sent to me saying, hey, look at this. Look at this train load of Army vehicles headed somewhere, who knows where, but this is sent to me as proof that the government is ramping it up and planning a surprise attack. And, uh, and you know, even if they were, what good is that photograph going to do me? Because I, uh, I, I have no idea where it's going, where it was taken, uh, any of that, nothing. Uh, a photograph of a bunch of Humvees on a train going somewhere doesn't do me any good. Doesn't do anybody any good. So there has to be some way that information that uh that you pick up if you want it to be of value that it has to be uh, uh formatted in some fashion that's gonna do folks some good. And over at Amron they've got actually got a, a PDF that you can download uh for reporting this. And it's uh you know it's set up like uh uh, I believe it's a basic signal analysis uh, uh, PDF sheet. And what it does is you, you have the date, the time, the frequency, the mode, uh, signal strength bearing, the agency, local, state, federal, uh, who initiated the transmission, who responded, uh, a summary of the transmission, a, uh, a listing of the action taken, a listing of who's notified, uh, uh, the... Uh, the monitoring operator that listed heard this. <clears throat> this way, the the information is actually usable, and it'd be no different than I believe we talked about it a couple of weeks ago about salute reporting. Uh, now, if somebody took a photograph of those Humvees on the train, and then they uh, they wrote down the information to go along with the photograph in the format of a salute report, now you're talking about information that might be usable. 
uh, as salute is the size activity location unit time equipment format that the Army uses. And it's just trying to give the bare minimum of information so that uh, so that there is some way uh, to uh, to figure out what the information that's being uh, given, what it where, what it goes to, uh, how it can be used, you know, what it means. So if you had a photograph of the uh, of the Humvees on the train, and you said, okay, uh, this is what I saw. I saw 24 Humvees. Uh, they were on the train, uh, and they were heading south. That's the uh, size, the activity. The location was uh, in, uh, you know, in uh, East Bank, Illinois. Uh, the unit, if you could, if you saw something that you could read, usually almost all military vehicles, uh, unless they've just been refurbished, uh, will have some type of unit uh, listing on their bumpers. You know, let's say uh, one uh, BB two two ND one ninety third. Uh, something on there. Uh, the time and date that you saw it, I saw it on uh, Thursday, uh, December 11th, and uh, and then what it was. <clears throat> because if this if this report is then matched up to another one that was made on Friday of the same uh, train or you know of a train with the same number of vehicles going uh, further south uh, and with matching bumper numbers. And then another report on Saturday that, that showed a train arriving at, uh, you know, at some uh, uh, vehicle or military installation that refurbished vehicles. Okay, now we know the story behind that train. All right, we know uh, kind of where it was coming from and where it went and what it was doing. All right, so that's all usable information. Just the photograph by itself with somebody typing in all caps saying uh, tears proof that we're about to be attacked is not really proof of anything. And it it really does a lot of damage. Uh, it, it's as bad as misinformation. It's as bad as, uh, as somebody purposely trying to, to, to throw a wrench in intelligence uh, systems. So if you will use the salute uh, reporting system, anytime you, you have some type of information that you want to relay on, use the salute, and now it's usable information. It can actually, uh, it can actually be uh, weighed, uh, measured, and then uh, uh, inserted into uh, some usable slot somewhere. The same thing with the uh, PDF from Amron. <clears throat> if you if 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 you just try to say, hey, I just heard somebody on the radio saying they're getting ready to uh, you know attack so and so, then that's completely unusable information. There's nothing you can do with that. It means nothing to anybody anywhere. The only time it may mean something is after the fact, uh, uh, and even then. It really means still means nothing because uh, it's just like the photograph that could be anywhere uh, of anything 
and nobody knows. All right. But if you use the uh, a, the uh, reporting system, like uh, the one, like I said, you can download it in a PDF uh, from over at Amron, then it has all of the relevant information with it. The date, the time, the frequency. Like I told you earlier, by using a frequency, the frequencies can be tracked back uh, to the uh, agencies that are assigned that frequency. Uh, the uh, signal strength, you know, how close it was to your location, how far away, the bearing, what direction it was coming. If you use all of this information, now that information can be can actually be used uh, in a reasonable fashion. So, uh, so make sure that you are that this is uh, something that you're getting into the habit of doing. Now, I'm gonna later on. I'm gonna talk uh, not to it's not tonight, but in one of the uh, the later on. Uh, shows that we're going to do that we will we're going to cover uh who you need to be sending this information to and we're we're even we're even talking about uh about setting up uh a system ourselves uh and maybe even uh us getting involved in the uh in the collection and disbursement of information, all right. But right now, uh, right now, we're gonna—I'm not gonna talk about that. What I will talk about is, is just a quick overview of the of the equipment you can get started with. You've got the FRS radios, and these are, this is four, uh, 14 channels uh, uh, running in the UHF um, uh, in uh, uh, 460 megahertz in the FM mode. Uh, this is a uh, private uh, two-way communication. I want to say private. I don't mean that nobody can hear it. I'm just saying that uh, that normally it's you know it's from one person to talk to the next person that they know, uh, not out, not uh, like broadcasting publicly. And one of the things that you should also understand is that in all of these forms of communication, there is the ability of anybody who's listening with the same equipment to be able to overhear your conversations. So anything that you're saying can be overheard by anybody who has that equipment, all right? But FRS is a relatively uh, inexpensive way to get started. Now, FRS, uh, just like uh, the, the rest of the the, the, uh, the FM-style uh, systems or line of sight, uh, I don't care if it says 25 miles, 35 miles, uh you know if you're if you are uh, on top of mount everest and you're going to broadcast uh over to uh, the other uh highest mountain that's uh, 25 miles away and you may be able to do that if you can see them directly see them uh but if you can't like we use frs here and we use a set that's supposed to be good for like 25 miles and yet at the other end of the zombie run it's about 1.5 miles away we can't reach them uh, too many trees and stuff in between it. We can't reach them. We have to get it relayed by one of the other stations. But it is inexpensive, uh, and it does have uh, it 
does have its uses. Uh, one of the other radio systems that now is uh, that is now available through a uh, through a band that was opened up by FCC was is the MERS radio, and uh, this is uh, five. Uh, MERS radios have five channels and uh, 150 megahertz range. Uh, usually a two watt uh, radio, but their and their external antennas are allowed on the on the MERS. Now this doesn't have a whole lot more uh, distance than FRS. You're going to get about like a mile, mile and a half on this. But one of the things I really like about this is that it it, it does. Uh, at least in my experience, it does work better than FRS as far as its uh, reliability. And the other thing is uh, the MERS system uh, has some really great accessories now that they have uh, that they're offering. And one of those is uh, is actually a uh, a device which will uh, which is hooked up. To a motion sensor, and uh, you could take the this accessory with you with your MERS radio. Say you uh, say you're on a trail and uh, you're up at the the top of a hill or something, and you want to be able to tell if somebody is going to is coming up the trail toward you. Then you can use this device with your MERS radio, this proximity device. You set it down at the base of the trail, and when somebody walks up the trail. I mean, it's going to send out a communication to you, and it's going to say proximity alert, zone one, zone two, whatever whatever system you have on there. And it's going to let you know that somebody is coming towards you. And I think this is, uh, and for specific things, this is this is really great. Uh, you could use this at home. You could have uh, a MERS radio in your house. You can have a, a proximity alert device at the end of your driveway. Uh, in the backyard, behind the barn, anything like that, where uh, if something comes up or something moves within the the view of that motion detector, it's going to tell you that somebody's back there, that something, you know, that somebody's coming down the driveway, something like that. And they're relatively inexpensive, so that's uh, that is something I would certainly look into. And then you have. Uh, and this is all part of amateur radio, which is license-free. And that comes with CBs, FRS, uh, MERS. This is all, uh, these are all license-free devices. You don't have to have your ham radio license to run these, uh, as you will if you're start, when you start operating on shortwave. Uh, the gear that you're going to get needs to have the ability to operate off the grid, and it needs to be portable, right? Uh, I mean, you have to be able to unplug it out of the wall and take it with you wherever you're going. It needs to be of a size that's portable. Uh, it needs to be able to run off the lowest amount of power that uh, you could possibly get and simple enough that that you might be able to repair it yourself, okay? These are all some of the things that you need to, to think about. Uh, uh, along with this is going to be uh, maybe the uh, police scanners. And in the Sparks book, uh, he's gonna, he has a, a listing of the scanners that are recommended because 
that's something that uh, and I know a lot of people used to do it as a hobby. They'll sit there and listen to the police scanners and find out what's going on around them, and that's great because that's something that you should be doing. You should you should have a feel for what's going on around you. What why the police are what they're being called to why how often. Uh, it certainly wouldn't hurt for you to keep a uh, like a little uh, notebook or a little journal that you could track some of this down and find out uh, on your own that, uh, you know, that Friday nights after 9 o'clock, the calls really start coming in from, uh, you know, down around the block or something. That lets you know that uh, Friday night after 9 p.m., you don't go down around the block. Uh, this is ways it can be using this. And I meant, forgot to mention earlier that uh, whenever you're setting up your gear and you're running it, you're practicing it, uh, make sure that you keep a journal so that you can keep a journal of, of who you contacted, uh, the time of day, the weather, the, you know, any other, any other thing that will help you uh, to replicate that, that, that contact again. Uh, Sparksbooks has a, a lot of, uh, a lot of listings in it for, uh, different, uh, different radios that uh, that he would recommend, and that uh, and where you can find them. <laughs> and uh, one last thing that I'll, I'm going to mention about this is that uh, used to to get your ham radio license, you had to be able to uh, pass a minimum. I'd be able to know a minimum amount of Morse code. And uh, it's no longer the case. You can get your radio license without uh, without knowing Morse. But I'll tell you this, is that, uh, you know, just like uh, when people's phone signals were down uh, during a lot of the uh, the recent events, like uh, uh, the events in, uh, around the World Trade Center in New York and stuff like that, uh, they weren't able to get... Uh, audio signal out, but they weren't able to send out text messages, all right? Uh, in the same form, when you're using your shortwave signals, you're always going to have a better chance uh, of a signal getting through uh, when you're running it uh, in Morse code than you will getting uh, an actual voice uh, then Morse is just going to be able to transmit uh, easier than that. So, uh, and and if you are hearing a signal in Morse, uh, does it actually no good if you get that signal if you can't interpret it, right? <clears throat> now, possibly you may be able to get something to record it, use your phone or something else to record the uh, uh, the the line of signals, the dots and dashes, and then have somebody else decode it, but. It's not going to do you any good to hear that if you can't decode it. So, learning uh, to send and receive in Morse is not a bad idea. Okay, uh, I'm sure you've all seen the different uh, the different times it's been used in other than radio communications. You know the uh, the submarine uh, guys tapping on the bang on the sides of the of the submarine in Morse or uh, you know, somebody sitting at a at a dinner table and just sitting there with their finger tapping on the table, and they're actually communicating with the person on the other side of the table. Nobody else knows, but 
they're tapping a code out in Morse, things like that. All right? So knowing Morse code is not a bad thing. <clears throat> all right, the... Uh, uh, I guess that's going to uh, that's going to about do the information uh, from tonight. Unless uh, let me check and make sure that nobody else has uh, has posted any questions in the chat. I don't see any. Uh, Sam has uh, put a lot of the information in the chat room uh, for the uh, for the website and stuff. I'll try to make sure this gets posted on. Uh, on the blog and stuff too, and uh, and then if you do have any any uh, questions about this, be sure and let me know. Also, uh, Sparks has uh, indicated that he'd like to come back again in the near future and run another course, and uh, I think that would be absolutely great. And there's already been quite a few folks that have contacted me and said, "Hey, we couldn't make this course, or we missed this course." Well, we sure would like to. Uh, we sure would like to get in on another course. So uh, I'll be talking to Tom about this about uh, about when uh, we'll set up the the next date, and uh, and then if you guys, if any anybody that's listening that says, hey, listen, you know, I really would like to, I'd really like to attend this course. If you will send me uh, your date, and I think you were talking about. Uh, uh, like a February, February March block of dates, I think that we've been looking at <clears throat> for another two day course, uh, another two day three percenters grid down course, and then after we do that one, then we can uh, we'll start talking about setting up another more advanced course uh, for radio communications. Now we the, the folks who attended this last course, we've already gotten together, and we've already started working out uh, the details on. Uh, setting up our local groups, just like I was talking about, so that we can begin uh, uh, communicating with each other and working out our intergroup communications uh, so that we can move on to the next phase, which is going to be working with neighboring groups. I think that's one of the great things that came out of this course. We've got a whole group of, a whole group of folks that were doing <coughs> radio stuff independently and now we'll be working together as a group uh, in order to share information and then also to mentor uh, new folks into the group, try and bring more people into the group. And uh, uh, even previous to this, I told you we did uh, some stuff like uh, uh, in our group we worked out ways uh, like uh, uh, we went out uh, oh, from from the location we have here and we've gone out uh, – and, uh, you know, five or ten miles in all different directions on the highways and stuff, and we've mapped out locations where we can actually get communications with this centralized, uh, with this position, if we needed to. Uh, we know on the maps where we can go to, that where we have the best possible chance of getting communication with the FRS radios and stuff like that. There's all stuff that you can be doing that you can be working out with your group, uh, you know, whether you're going to, whether you have a better chance of, of uh, talking to your buddy uh, that's, uh, you know, 25 blocks away if you get on top of your house or if you, you know, go to the end of the street, whatever. But start working that out now. And then, uh, and then 
If you haven't already signed up for the newsletter, like I said, go to the uh, uh, com website and uh, click on the link up the top that says contact. Get signed up for the newsletter so that we can send you uh, information about upcoming classes. We've got a class this weekend, the Ghost of Goliad Fundamentals of Rifle Marksmanship class. And uh, uh, if you'd like to come to that, if you're here locally and you'd like to come to that, uh, all the, you guys are, are we've got a, a group that's going to be coming in, but you guys are welcome to use the group discount if you'd like to. It's called uh, the CTM discount. It means you can get the two days of uh, training for just 30 bucks, which is less than the normal 80, which is less than the normal uh, 275 that uh, most everybody else is charging. So if you'd like to come to the uh, uh, the Ghost of Goliad Fundamentals of Rifle Marksmanship class this weekend, then uh, we'd love to have you here. Uh, we're working out – I'm working on details now for a uh, – probably a January, uh, February date for a uh, one-day uh, beef and small game processing class. That's where we'll take uh, a beef out of the field uh, and uh, get it to process all the way to in the packages, in the freezer – uh, ready to go to the house, including uh, making sausage and stuff like that. <laughs> and then also processing a smaller game so that uh, so that you've at least done it once or you've seen it done or you get a brush up on it so you can figure out uh, what it takes to get uh, to get a beef from standing out in the field to wrapped up in a nice uh, little package that says uh, T-bone on it. <clears throat> That'll be sometime in January. We're also having uh, we're also having a um, uh, concealed carry class in January. Another Ghost of Goliad uh, class in January. Uh, I'm working with uh, John Hurth and Caleb Causey of Lone Star uh, Medics and John Hurth of Cure Group, and uh, the three of us are working together to set up a three-day course in. Uh, Combat Patrolling and Combat Medicine. It's going to be a three-day course that will uh, be patrolling techniques, and it's probably going to be like a, a high-immersion course. That means it will, it will show up, and you'll, you'll go immediately into uh, the patrol, and uh, the whole time you'll be learning, but you'll also be involved in, uh, in the actual uh, in actually running the mission. Uh, We'll have also in uh, the January or February, we'll have a shotgun course. And uh, so be sure and stay tuned for that and uh, and check the website for uh, the upcoming courses. Get signed up for the newsletter and we'll send it to you. All right, guys, uh, I think that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, we'll see you guys next uh, Thursday, 7 p.m. And uh, 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 Scout? Uh, are yes. we going to have a, a show on Christmas? On Christmas. Uh, let me see. Is that the uh, is that the date already? No, that's the uh, well. It's, uh, next Thursday will be the 18th. Then after that right, will be the 25th. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of doubt that we will, but I don't know. Uh, you know. And we could still have one, and if people want to listen to it, they can. If they don't, they can just listen to it in the archives. That'll work. But uh, we'll let you know this next week if we're going to have one or not. And uh, and then, like I said, until then, uh, God bless and uh, keep you all. 
Uh, if you need any more information about anything that uh, we're putting out, then be sure and uh, contact us. We'll be glad to uh, to fill you in. Either Sam or myself will be glad to. All right, Sam, thanks uh, thanks for being here, and uh, we'll see you guys this next Thursday, uh, 7 p.m.
Lots of skies broadcasting lies to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. 